Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 23, and the last time we covered these prophecies against specific nations. And the nations might sound foreign to us, but they really are a representation of mankind and civilizations all throughout since the beginning of time. So maybe the names have changed, maybe the people groups have changed, but the bottom line is they still apply. Uh, We, as human beings, have turned our backs on the living God, we've spurned his commandments, and we needed a Savior, and that's why God sent his Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Last Sunday, I had a five- or six-minute aside. I encourage you, if you didn't get the message, to listen to it, just to talk about Darwinism and the influence that it's had in academia and our culture and really the uh, some of the things in Origin of the Species and and the works that were really horrible. It actually uh, lends to dividing people instead of bringing them together. So if you could just check that out, that would be great. This morning, we're going to be in the prophecies against Tyre or Tyre, uh, known as modern-day Lebanon, and also applications for uh, an aggregate judgment or uh, accounting or a discipline or, you know, sin has to be dealt with. So we're going to really go from the 8th century B.C., and the Bible is going to take us all the way thousands of years to where we are and into the future, into a time where these judgments are going to come upon the planet. The age of grace that we enjoy now is going to run out. Uh, God is giving people plenty of time to come to him, to trust him, to love him, to receive of his love. But there will be a time where he can't allow human history in its present form to continue. He will remake the heavens and the earth. Um, If you're a believer and you understand the scripture, this is actually very comforting. Uh, Some people get afraid. I did a Revelation study. Uh, For those of you that know God's Word, Revelation is very comforting. It's very encouraging because it's the revealing, the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Uh, I know that when I wasn't a believer in my late teens and early 20s and I heard about Revelations, I was scared. But when you're on the other side, you can see the comfort that you can take in it. So we're going to check this out in seven parts. So we're going to jump in in verse 1. It says, the burden against Tyre, wail you ships of Tarshish, for it is laid waste, so that there is no house, no harbor, from the land of Cyprus or Kittim, it is revealed to them, be still you inhabitants of the coastland, you merchants of Sidon, whom those who cross the sea have filled, and on great waters the grain of Shihor, the harvest of the river, or the Nile, is her revenue, and she is a marketplace for the nations. Be ashamed, O Sidon, for the sea has spoken, the strength of the sea, saying, I do not labor nor bring forth children, neither do I rear young men nor bring up virgins. When the report comes to Egypt, they will also be in agony at the report of Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish, wail, you inhabitants of the coastland. Is this your joyous city, whose antiquity is from ancient days, whose feet carried her uh, far off to sojourn? So the first out of seven is the prophecy against Tyre. And if we can put up the uh, map, this is the Mediterranean. It's a vast area, and it's amazing because in the south, 
you have Africa. In the north, you have Europe. To the east, you have the middle and the far east. This is even still a wealth if you can trade in this area. Uh, it's just a vast area. So many cultures come together. But there were two cities, Tyre and Sidon, which are right here, which today make up uh, modern-day Lebanon, that really had control. They were called the Babylon of the sea. They had control of a lot of this area. They were seafaring people. They were the Phoenicians, right? There was a mixed bag. They were good and bad, just like any people group. As a matter of fact, the wicked uh, Queen Jezebel came from this area. Now they had, uh, if you look over here at Cyprus, this and Crete over here, this was the gateway to Greece and Rome and those empires. You know, again, Africa in the south, here's the Nile, right? So if you, were, if you really knew how to navigate this area, you could become wealthy back in those days. He also speaks about Tarshish, which is actually over here. This is Spain, uh, Portugal. Today is part of that, what we would call the Iberian Peninsula. Uh, I have to laugh because I had my DNA tested, and I'm from everywhere. Uh, but uh, it's, what's the Iberian Peninsula, you know? But that's the Iberian Peninsula, if you ever had questions about that. Uh, you'll remember Tarshish, uh, Jonah, fled. He didn't want to minister to the Assyrians, so he went far west to Tarshish. You see some of these names come up. Uh, verse 1, it says, there's no house, no harbor. So this is a situation where the Assyrians uh, and the Babylonians had taken a hold and destroyed the coastal city. Now, it was very interesting in that Tyre had a coastal city, beautiful, you know, overlooked the Mediterranean. They had their, their, their port there, right, their harbor. But they also had not far from the coastal part of it, there was an island city. So what the Assyrians did was they conquered, they destroyed the coastal city, so did the Babylonians, and the, the Tyrians were very resourceful people. They would take a lot of the ruins, go by boat, and take that, uh, those, those stones and everything and rebuild the city in the coastal part of it. So it's kind of like a na-na-na-na-na, you know, <laughs> we're over here. They would put up their wall, and the Assyrians and the Babylonians actually couldn't get that far. But it did cause a major problem for shipping, for the shipping industry. It caused a problem for everyone, because even Egypt is mentioned. Egypt is having trouble because they traded with the uh, Phoenicians. So it's funny, today we talk about geopolitics. Hey, you go back as far as you want. There's geopolitics back then, too. You know, people haven't changed, you know what I'm saying? Only the time periods have. Uh, but the Phoenicians, the actual name Phoenicia means purple. That's the meaning of it. And they got that name as a people because they harvested the Mediterranean murex mollusk. It was a little sea creature that when you harvested would, would spew out purple ink. And for the, you know, today we have, we mass produce, but back then that was the only way you can get this gorgeous purple and, and royalty would use this, this color for their garments. And if you had that, it was a symbol of wealth. So Mediterranean murex mollusk, say that five times fast. <laughs> but they ended up getting wealthy over this mollusk. Continuing on, verse 8. Who has taken this council against here, the crowning city, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are the honorable of the earth? The Lord of hosts has purposed it to bring to dishonor the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. Overflow through your land like the river or the Nile. O daughter of Tarshish, there is no more strength. He stretched out his hand over the sea. He shook the kingdoms. The Lord has given a commandment against Canaan. 
to destroy its strongholds. And he said, You will rejoice no more, O you oppressed virgin daughter of Sidon. Arise, cross over to Cyprus. There also you will have no rest. Behold, the land of the Chaldeans, this people which was not, Assyria founded it for wild beasts of the desert. They set up its towers, they raised up its palaces, and brought it to ruin. Wail you ships of Tarshish, for your strength is laid waste. So two out of seven is that Tyre was humbled due to pride. Now as you go through this, you know what's really amazing? If you look at Ezekiel 26, Ezekiel prophesied over a hundred years prior to the event um, what would happen to Tyre. It was a big focal point. They were just so prideful. They were so wealthy. They were so arrogant. And God kind of took them down from that pedestal. Well, we know that the Assyrians and the Babylonians took out the coastal city, but Alexander the Great in 332 B.C. took out the island city of Tyre. Now that's fascinating because because what he did was was brilliant. Him and his his soldiers would take debris and they would just keep throwing it in the water. I mean, this took a long time. Big pieces, timber, stone, whatever. And they made what was called a promontory or a causeway to actually get to the island city, right? So it was shallow water. They made this kind of land bridge. Then they attacked and they conquered and they finally took out uh, the city of Tyre. Ezekiel 26, before the event happened, goes into incredible detail about the debris and all the things that happened to, for Alexander the Great and his troops to get across there. The Bible doesn't lie. You know, only it, the ignorance of the Bible gets people to say silly things and to attack it and to mischaracterize it because they hear things on the media, you know, they, they pick a verse here and there out of context. But when you, when you take it all together, it's a powerful book because it's God's word. But God allowed this situation, this humbling process to take place. Verse 9, it says, The Lord has purposed to bring dishonor, to dishonor the pride of all glory. Right? Pride gets us to do really foolish things. I don't use the word stupid from the pulpit that often, but I'm going to tell you this. I'll speak for myself. When I get prideful, I get stupid. Yep. I can look back on all the times that I had this idea, this inflated opinion of myself, and it just caused me to make poor decisions, to do stupid things, and I can just look back and just regret it and say, oh, Lord, I can't believe I did that. Pride can cause us to do all kinds of evil because we think we deserve or we should have. I remember when I wanted to be a pastor, I would speak to my pastor back then, the church I was going to, and I would just look for these nuggets from him, like these, you know, these little nuggets of wisdom. And he would often say to me, just stay humble. After a while, I actually got irritated because he would say the same thing over and over again. But looking back, he was right. Just stay humble. Because humility will help us to navigate life. And you know what? When we get prideful, what do we also do? We start to pull away from God, even as believers. Hey, I got this one. I'm really, you know, or or have the attitude almost like God really needs to use us, you know, because of our talent or our giftings. So, you know, when when you look at this situation, you see why God had to to humble these people. Verse 11, it said, God shook the kingdoms. He destroyed its strongholds. You can almost see God just kind of like looking down and just going, you know, just kind of shaking things up a little bit. I'm not going to allow this to continue. Now, 
I do feel like I need to say this. Um, when we talk about pride, and we also sometimes, and the, there is some Venn diagram overlap, so to speak. But you could say, like if I said, hey, my kid got a good grade, I'm really proud of him. I'm really, you know, our kids look for our approval. They look for our reinforcement. So in that sense, it's, it's not the same thing as being prideful about yourself. Now, if you're bragging about your kid like your kid is the best kid in the whole wide world, uh, well, that could be a problem too, and that can be a form of pride. So I don't want to get into the idea of being legalistic. We all know what's prideful and what's not prideful. You know, giving somebody reassurance in the proper semantic uh, range of the English words is certainly acceptable. So we'll move on from there. Uh, Verse 15, it says, 15, Now it shall come to pass in that day that Tyr will be forgotten 70 years, according to the days of one king. At the end of 70 years it will happen to Tyr, as in the song of the harlot. Take a harp, go about the city, you forgotten harlot. Make sweet melody, sing many songs, that you may be remembered. And it shall be at the end of 70 years that the Lord will visit Tyre. She will return to her pay and commit fornication with all the kingdoms of the world on the face of the earth. Her gain and her pay will be set apart for the Lord. It will not be treasured nor laid up, for her gain will be for those who dwell before the Lord to eat sufficiently and for fine clothing. If you're new to prophecy, it can be a little confusing because God sees everything at the same time. And verses were only put in the Scripture centuries after the Bible was codified. So the verses aren't necessarily, chapter and verses aren't necessarily inspired, but the Word of God is inspired. So we have to understand that. Uh, Jesus in Isaiah 61 speaks about his ministry and, and you know, doing miracles. And then he speaks uh, about the day of vengeance in the middle of the verse in chapter 61. So what Jesus is doing, he's saying, well, this is going on right now. And he says the next thing, and he says, hey, this is about 2,000, 2,100 years in the future. We have to kind of get used to that. It's a little bit of a learning curve. So what's going on here, three out of seven, is that Tyre is going to be allowed because God is merciful to rebuild, right? So we saw the, the destruction of the city. Well, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do with the, with the uh, island city. Then Alexander the Great came. So Tyre had its ups and downs, but God gave her many chances. Now, the Bible, and I have to say this, is not politically correct. Today, everyone's triggered about everything. <laughs> so when the Bible says something, it, we like, wow, that's a... That's a pretty powerful illustration. He speaks of of Tyre, verse 15 and 16, like a harlot or a prostitute who's gone out of business for a while, and later on she's singing songs to her lovers again to to get back into business. And it's, it's not a pretty picture, but it's a picture of someone or a city that was given so many chances, and they kept blowing their second chance and their third chance and their fourth chance. You know, it kind of reminds me of a a married couple, and, and whether it's the husband or the wife who's unfaithful, and then the other spouse forgives, and then the person breaks their trust again, and then they're forgiven, and the trust is broken. Eventually, that one spouse is going to be like, I'm out of here, you know, enough of this. So we can see it in human relationships, but we can also see it in relationships between God and people. And I'll talk more about that. So he is the God of second chances. You know, some here this morning might have gotten a lot of chances to come to Christ and to 
take the walk to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You know, I know, and I'm not criticizing because when I was in my 20s, I had opportunity and opportunity. And when I finally came forward and I became a Christian, I was, I was like, gee, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, what was, I, what was this great plan that Joe DiProsimo had that was going to wow the world? And, and I kept waiting and I kept waiting. Eventually, I came forward and I received Christ. So I'm thankful that God does give us a lot of chances. But again, the age of grace will eventually run out. The clock, the prophetic clock is ticking. Verse 18, he also gives the message of hope. We see a shift here. We see this situation where Tyre's gain and her pay will be set apart for the, for the Lord, not necessarily treasured up or hoarded for herself. What does that mean? Well, many people look at this and they say, well, that must be the millennial kingdom. That could be. But did you know when you go through the scripture that Jesus did ministry in this area? Again, this is modern-day Lebanon. Okay, If you look at a map, it's the same geographical location um, over the years. The country names have changed. The borders have changed. But um, Jesus did ministry there. He did miracles there. And there were people from that area that came to see Jesus and to hear his teaching and to have miracles done. As a matter of fact, in Acts 21, did you know that the Apostle Paul founded a church there? So this could also be referencing when Christ came and the gospel had spread that all of a sudden this city left a lot of its worldly ways and started uh, moving towards the things of the Lord. Uh, And listen, many centuries later, uh, after the first century, Islam conquered that area, but there are still many, many faithful Lebanese Christians in that area today. So what happened some 2,000 years ago is still strong. It's still a candle. It might be a small candle, but the light is still burning. Okay? Going on into the next chapter. It says, Behold. Now you're going to see a shifting of gears here again. Behold, the Lord makes the earth empty and makes it waste, distorts its surface and scatters abroad its inhabitants, and it shall be as with the people so with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with her mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, as with the creditor, so with the debtor. The land shall be entirely emptied and utterly plundered, for the Lord has spoken this word. The earth mourns and fades away, the world languishes and fades away, the haughty people of the earth languish, the earth is also defiled under its inhabitants. Because they have transgressed the laws, they've changed the ordinance, they've broken the everlasting covenant, therefore the curse has devoured the earth. And those who dwell in it are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men are left. Pastor Joe, what are we getting into here? You know, what's going on? Well, this is four out of seven, is God shifts gears from specific judgments specific nations over the years to a general judgment on the earth. This is what we know from eschatology as the great tribulation. We know this is the times of the end. We know that this is, our, this is the earth's future. This is the period just prior to Jesus Christ coming back and establishing his rule on the earth and remaking everything. Again, we are in the age of grace. You know, there's a lot of sin. All you have to do is uh, read the paper, go on the internet. The things people do to each other today are horrendous, uh, and it's not getting any better. 
uh, so many thousands of years of humanism, of supposedly post-Christianity, of enlightenment, and human beings are getting worse. You see uh, a culture such as ours where it's fractured, people are against each other. Uh, It's just a very, very sad thing. Uh, And God is not going to allow this to continue forever. Mankind has messed up because of sin, his beautiful creation. When you read Genesis and you read about the Garden of Eden, there weren't even any storms, there were no volcanoes, it was just so peaceful. Uh, A few months ago, I covered the Millennial Kingdom and the beauty that's going to happen again. We're like the the, the nasty Oreo filling (laughs) between the two cookies right now. You know, this is just stuff's happening and there's disasters, um, but that's all going to change, you know. So as we read this, we see verse 2, it doesn't matter what your position in life is, you won't be spared from this judgment if you are still here. If you haven't taken hold of Christ, as you, if you haven't trusted him for your Lord and Savior, this is what awaits the earth, this judgment. Okay, so it doesn't matter what your position in life. Today, even in the, the judicial system, you know, uh, if you're famous, if, you, if you're a politician, if you can pay the best attorney, you probably get a different form of justice than other people get. But God is not fooled, you know. One day, everyone's going to receive the same, okay, Nobody gets away scot-free even if they die in that state, all right? What the Bible does say for believers, those who have trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, that we don't go through this period. Very important to understand. Nobody has to go through this. Revelation 3.10 says, This hour of trial will come upon the whole earth except for the believers. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5.9 that the believers are not appointed to wrath, but to salvation through Jesus Christ. Very important to understand. Is God a loving God? Yes. But he's also a God of justice. You know, nobody wants to hear that. Or we, we're good with justice for the guy we see on TV who threw a loophole, got away with literally murder, and we want him to get justice, but we certainly don't want justice for our sins. So our sense of justice as human beings is very skewed. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's self-preservation. But God does have to appoint justice. So we see this uh, image of the cross, and God's son came and took the form of a a man, and he was nailed to the cross, and it's a pretty graphic representation, as you can see. They mocked him and put the purple robe over him, the crown of thorns. They drove these spikes through uh, the median nerve and different nerves of his body, and he was crucified. You know what the amazing thing is? Most of those that were, well, all of them that were crucified, save Christ, couldn't break free. There was too many Roman soldiers. Uh, They were uh, weakened from the whippings, and they could not resist. However, Jesus Christ said, I'm not put up there. You know, uh, it's not against my will. I do it voluntarily. You see what I'm saying? So that's the beautiful thing of what Christ did for us. He willingly went to the cross to die for our sins. So I I say this today, Uh, tomorrow, tonight, everyone in the world, they could be of of a Hindu persuasion, of a a Muslim persuasion, if they, at that moment, just stop and say, I want to put my faith in Christ, the whole world can be saved. John 3.16 says that. The whole world now can be saved if it desires. But God also gave us free will. What are you going to do with your free will? So we look at this. Uh, what are some of the, the violations that God has to judge 
this earth. Four through six. A, pride. We covered that. Pride can also be an insidious thing in the church. You know, people can come into the church and go, you know, I didn't rob anybody. I didn't, um, I was faithful to my spouse. But they can come in with pride, arrogance, an air of superiority, looking down their nose at others. God hates that sin. It's a horrible sin. So we've covered pride extensively. Also, the abuse of his physical creation, the abuse of other human beings, right? Since the day that uh, Cain slew his brother Abel with a rock. Uh, and, and everything went south from that point, uh, even after the, uh, Adam and Eve made these choices. C, it says the cr- transgression of God's laws. To transgress means to purposely go across. It means to purposely violate. And I'm sure you've met people, and maybe that was me before I was saved, is, well, I don't care what God thinks, I'm just going to do this. I don't see a lightning bolt, and it emboldens you to do more. You see what I'm saying? Transgression, willful violation. The next one is, is more scary because it says to change the ordinance or change God's laws. It, it means to soften God's laws. You know, you realize today that nothing is sin anymore. Um, in a lot of churches, you could be there for years, and they never talk about sin. They never talk about why Christ came. Seriously, nobody really should have to believe in Jesus if, if our, you know, we don't sin, and we're going to be fine, and our good works over bad works, and we're going to get into heaven. Um, you know, that doesn't even work today in the, in the jurisprudence system. It's not logical. You know, if you go to court and you're charged with, uh, you know, this horrible crime of, of maybe being under the influence and running somebody over and killing them, and you go before the judge and you say, listen, I'm not guilty. What do you mean you're not guilty? Well, I never went over 55 on the highway. I never went through a red light. And I never got a parking ticket. The judge is like, yeah, but this, is, this right here is before us. This thing is going to put you in prison. Yeah, but you have to take my good works over this one bad work. But it's applied to God. It doesn't make any sense. It's not in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. I don't know where people get this stuff from. So, very important, it's, it, it's sin that has separated us from the living God. And unfortunately, and my frustration a lot of times comes with not unbelievers, not atheists. I love hanging out and talking with them. My frustration comes with guys that have these titles as pastors, and they go on TV, they go on talk shows like Carl Lentz, and they soften the gospel, and they soften sin, and they just kind of laugh it off and brush it off. It's horrible to watch. Because they're changing God's ordinances. And those people, I will tell you, will be held accountable. Because especially if you're on a show where millions of people are watching, you're responsible what you're teaching those people because you have that title as pastor. Not a good thing. They've broken the everlasting covenant. Bible scholars have different ideas of what this is, but God has made many covenants with people throughout the Scripture, starting with Adam and Eve. There's also the covenant that the soul that sins will die... Leviticus 17.11, it says that sins cannot even be, there's no remission for sins without the shedding of blood. Fast forward, Jesus Christ fulfilled that by giving himself on the cross. He fulfilled all these covenants, but people have broken the covenant. So God even says in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34 in the Old Testament that I'm going to make, an, even in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, he's saying I'm going to make a new covenant. And, and the, the new covenant was in Jesus Christ. So God had all these safeguards for people not to fall through the cracks. And why am I being so ex- explicit? Why am I going through so much? Because when you look at judgment, you can get the wrong impression. Nobody has to go through this. 
God has all these safeguards to catch us, but we have to trust in what Christ did. That's the only way that our sins can be forgiven. Verse 4 through 5, the earth mourns, the world languishes, the earth is defiled. If we could put up Romans 8.20, Romans 8.20, this is like a, a personification of the earth. It's fascinating. The Apostle Paul says, for the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption or decay into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Now, I don't know about some of these uh, videos. There's so many videos out there, but people say it's certain parts of the world. There's like sinkholes and you can hear like groaning and stuff. Like the creation is groaning. I don't know. This is to me is more of an anthropomorphism or a personification. But basically, the creation was made perfect. Sin ruined it. But the creation gets to look forward to a whole, you know, everybody's getting a makeover today, right? The earth's going to get a makeover too. (laughs) And it's going to be fabulous. It's going to be dynamic. But let's look at what's going to happen before that happens. Revelation 8, 7. There's a lot here. There's a lot here. This is the the trumpet judgments that, uh, again, in the earth's future from today, right? Um, God has this timetable. He's going to remove the believers. He's going to take them to a place where where we're going to enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the same time, the bowl judgments, the scroll judgments, the seal judgments, I mean, scroll seal, and the trumpet judgments, are going to unfortunately befall the earth. And here's just a taste of what that's going to look like. It isn't an allegory. It isn't a nice story. It isn't something, again, some of these false teachers can say, well, it's not really going to happen. This is going to happen. It says, The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Second trumpet. The angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Third trumpet. The angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. And the name of the star is Wormwood. And a third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Fourth trumpet. The fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened, and a third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. So that's not even the end of it. Verse 6, it says that the going back to Isaiah, that a third of the inhabitants would be wiped out, right? We continue. There's good news in here, I promise you. Uh, Verse 7, it says, the new wine fails, the vine languishes. This is where they would get their fruit from and such. And the merry-hearted sigh, the mirth of the tambourine ceases, the noise of the jubilant ends, the joy of the harp ceases. They do not, they shall not drink wine with a song, Strong drink is bitter 
to those who drink it. The city of confusion is broken down. Every house is shut up so that none may go in. There is a crying for wine in the streets. All joy is darkened. The mirth of the land is gone. In the city, desolation is left, and the gate is stricken with destruction. When it shall be thus in the midst of the land among the people, it shall be like the shaking of an olive tree, like the gleaning of grapes when the vintage is done. Five out of seven is that, sadly, this point in history, which is future from now, is a, it casts a very depressing tone, but nobody has to go through it. I like the movie. Uh, Nicolas Cage apparently has a brother who's a minister, and he urged him to make that movie Left Behind. I saw that. That was a good movie. Um, just the, for those that are left behind that didn't know the Lord, the confusion, the fear. Um, I know plenty of people. I have a lot of unsafe friends that I'm always trying to work on. They think they're going to party right up until the end. They think some of this stuff is funny. They're going to party. They're going to live it up. But when you read the scripture here, nobody's partying. There's nothing fun about this time on planet Earth. There's nothing good. Um, husbands and, and wives will be separated. The believers will go to be with the Lord. The one remaining, like in the movie, will find out the hard way. Wow, she was right the whole time, or he was right the whole time. Um, you know, we have free will. What are we going to do with it? Now, I, I, again, I, I'm not, I don't judge anybody. That's way above my pay grade, but I do like to, so you can understand that I'm one of you. I'm just a human, too. That was me back in the day. I was that fool holding the fourth or fifth beer and just talking stupid uh, when people would talk about the Bible. You know, I didn't know anything. And I thought I might have been one of those people. With a few, a few of them, uh, I, I might not care. But when you read this, there's no partying going on. There's no fun, you know. The, the beauty that we see every day when the age of grace runs out, it's going to be gone. Everything's going to implode, right? Uh, it's, I'll, I'll give you two more facts in Revelation. Uh, Pastor Vinny did Revelation with the teens, and uh, I also taught it from the pulpit that uh, there'll be dem demonic entities that will increase on the planet. And you can't kill them. It's not like the movies. Hollywood's nice. There'll be those that uh, are, are injured that will, there'll be a, for, for some reason, there'll be a point in time where a person will seek death and they won't be able to die. Again, <laughs> Hollywood takes some of these ideas and makes stupid movies out of them. We're going to shoot zombies. Pff, you know, get your shotguns out. We're going to be preppers. We're going to go underground. It's not going to be like that. It is not going to be like that. This is going to be a global conflagration. But again, nobody has to go through it. Verse 13, the shaking of the olive tree or the gleaning of grapes after vintage. There's a leanness. There's a leanness. And you know what? You can leave here, walk out that door and say, I can't wait till this is over because this guy's freaking me out. And you could walk out the door and you could shake it off and go back to what you do on Monday. But that's not going to stop what's going to happen. It's like the person when uh, somebody breaks into their house and they're alone and the burglar's coming up the stairs. Well, I got an idea. I'm going to put the sheets over my head. I won't be able to see him and he won't be able to see me. Not a good plan if someone breaks into your home. So this is what people do. They go to funerals. They hear about the gospel. They hear about God and they get freaked out. They walk out into the fresh air and they shake it off. Warning is love. You know, I don't enjoy teaching this stuff. 
But we're the type of church where we take the Word of God seriously. We go through it systematically. And, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus saying, come to me, and three people came forward, and it was a great day. Now i got to talk about judgment. It's just where we are in the Scripture. But nobody has to go through that. Did I say that about 15 times already? (laughs) Verse 14. They shall lift up their voice, they shall sing. There's a different group of people. For the majesty of the Lord, they shall cry aloud from the sea. Therefore glorify the Lord in the dawning light. The name of the Lord God of Israel in the coastlands of the sea. From the ends of the earth we have heard songs. Glory to the righteous. But I said, I am ruined, ruined, woe to me. You see a contrast. The treacherous dealers have dealt treacherously. Indeed, the treacherous dealers have dealt very treacherously. Fear and the pit and the snare are upon you, O inhabitant of the earth. And it shall be that he who flees from the noise of the fear shall fall into the pit. And he who comes up from the midst of the pit shall be caught in the snare. Nobody escapes. For the windows from on high are open and the foundations of the earth are shaken. The earth is violently broken. The earth is split open. The earth is shaken exceedingly. The earth shall reel to and fro like a drunkard and totter like a hut. Its transgression shall be heavy upon it and it will fall and not rise again. So six is the woes of of mankind. Now, you know, again, more good news. In the midst of this great tribulation, there will be those that that go, "Uh uh-huh. Maybe it's because a spouse, like in the movie, was taken. And they they consider it, and and they think about it, and they go back, and they remember the spouse. They would read the Bible, and they find the Bible, or there's some preachers. Something happens, and the Bible does tell us that even in this horrible time, there will be tribulation saints. People will still get saved in this period of time. That's how merciful God is. But there's this contrast between judgment on the earth, on a God and Christ-rejecting earth, and those that are, that are you know, sharing and, and praising God. It could be the Bible tells us that in heaven, the, there's tribulation saints that praise God, the angels praise God, um, but the inhabitants of the earth that still resist are, um, you know, it's not good for them. Now, I look at it this way because I I get a lot of questions. I think that this earth right now is a horrible place to live in. That's my picture. Because we might be in relative security in the United States, but there's a lot of things that are going on that are horrible. You know, our country, rightly so, abolished slavery. There are many countries today that still traffic in human beings for work. That's disgusting. Sex slavery, young girls... Now there's this this trend with the uh, with new surgical techniques that um, well I know in China the the Uyghurs the, some of the ethnic minorities are assassinated and they're cut open and they take their organs people need a liver they need kidneys this is a sick how do you do that to another human being you have to convince yourself that they're not human for you to be able to do something like that poverty war murder child abuse, elder abuse. You know, I always said this. I was a cop for 25 years, and under the facade of all these communities on their websites and the pictures on the websites, we as police would go and we would see the dark side of any community, the sinful side, the the domestic abuse, you know, the child neglect, any community. There is not one community on this earth 
that's some type of utopia. You know why? Because there's sinners living there. Okay? And I'm a sinner too. And I, I've trusted in Christ as my Lord and Savior. The problem in our, our country, and some people have an adverse reaction to the Word of God, is because we've become desensitized to the sickness of the human race. So to me, I'm looking forward to a time where God remakes everything, and this stuff doesn't exist anymore. That's a glory. Could you imagine Jesus Christ on the cross bearing the sins of all humanity? I, I don't think that he feared the pain. I don't think that he was concerned about the discomfort. I think that his concern when he went to the cross and he still did it was he was perfect. He never sinned. And, he, and the sins of, the, of mankind got dumped on him on that moment to die for that's That's unbelievable. That's unfathomable as far as I'm concerned. So when we get it and we understand that, we'll spend our whole lives telling people about him. As fallible as we are, as I stumble through my words, I'm not perfect, I don't live a perfect life, but you know what? I've got, I want to tell people about his love for you. But you don't know Jesus. He loves you. So verse 14 through 16, there's, again, there's praise, there's worship, there's singing. Is a contrast. Verse 17 through 18, there's the fear, the pit, and the snare. Nobody will escape this on the earth. The only way to escape is to trust in Christ. And God knows our heart. It's not to say, well, I don't really like what's going on, so let me, let me, all right, all right, Lord, it really has to be from the heart. And God knows the difference. Verse 20, the earth will totter, it'll reel. You know, I look at this, and this is amazing, and, and I've covered different portions of Scripture that are so scientific. You know, the Bible speaks about with some of these older religious books, they still had the earth as being flat. The Bible spoke about the circuit of the planets. The Bible spoke about the expanding universe. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, it's all in there. (laughs) You just got to look for it. The Bible spoke about microbiology and the laws of quarantine for leprosy before there was ever a a, a microscope invented. The Bible spoke about things in the cosmos uh, before a telescope was ever invented. It's all in there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? The Bible speaks about a future time in Ezekiel how to handle uh, nuclear uh, debris and damage and, and how you go through that without getting uh, affected by it. it. It's incredible stuff. The Bible speaks about uh, satellite technology. It speaks about events that are going to happen in the future in the times of Revelation where the whole earth will see it at the same time. How is that possible? The earth is round. Well, satellites came about a few decades ago and nobody knew that until that happened. It's like, well, now it makes sense. It's amazing how people criticize God's word until technology catches up to his infinite knowledge. This is good stuff. So the tottering and the reeling, and we've covered this in the scripture before, it's quite possible that there was an, there's an axis shift that from the, the meteors hitting the earth, and, and well, and you go on, turn on the science channel. Oh, the meteors hit the earth so many years ago. It does appear that the axis of the, the earth was changed. Okay, it says it right here. You know what I'm saying? There's a tottering. The world, the earth kind of wobbles. What can that do? It changes the weather patterns, doesn't it? Right? Meteorologists will tell us that. I could, I could be up here all day doing this stuff because I just love it. I love it. Once you know the Bible, you really are empowered. The more you read the Scripture, the more you go into it, the more you absorb it. And you just, it's just there. Verse 21, uh, last few verses. This is interesting. It it shall come pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones 
and on earth, two places, two high, high uh, beings, the kings of the earth. They will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit, and they will be shut up in prison. After many days they will be punished. Then the moon will be disgraced, and the sun ashamed. For the Lord of hosts will reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem and before his elders gloriously. So seven out of seven is what we all look for when we watch TV and somebody gets away with murder. Real justice. Real justice. The great white throne judgment will be a time that even the dead will be called up and they will be sentenced by the Lord and they will be judged. Okay? Um, We look at the the, the leaders of the earth who have done evil, but we also look at the force behind the leaders, right? So if we look at the fallen angels who manipulate people, who allow them to manipulate them, I really do believe that some people sell their soul to the devil, that they do call out, I want this. I want this position. I've got to have it. And the demons are more than happy to make it happen for you. If you want to use your free will like that, then God gave you the free will to use it. 2 Peter 2.4, 2 Peter 2.4 says this, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to Tartarus, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. A whole other Revelation study, it does appear that there were some angels that were just so unruly that he just had a confine them. He had to incarcerate them. Uh, Jude 1, th- 1, six, another one, it speaks about and the angels who did not keep their proper domain. There were rules that God set for the angels. There's rules God sets for us. But left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Inevitable judgment. Folks, the earth can't go on like this forever. God can't have it. He can't allow it. He does have a timetable. Unfortunately, there's a lot of false ministries out there that are giving you dates for the end of the world, and they keep changing them because we're still here. Uh, you know, But this is what happens. Um, God must eventually judge sin and evil. But he, you know what? He doesn't want to judge people. He's given them away. Unfortunately, Jesus says that the wide road that leads to destruction, many find it. The, the attraction and the allure of all the shiny objects on this planet, people take their chances. Yeah, maybe one day I'll come to God. That's like taking the revolver and just keep spinning it, and one of these days you'll deal with the inevitable, but I, I beat it for today. Bad, that's a bad idea. You know, you can't unhear what you've heard. We are in the age of grace. Take advantage of it this morning. Come to Christ. Die for your sins. He loves you. I would just say this to believers too, and I didn't even have this in my notes, is I really think, I know for me, you know, I, I go out, I have my, all my notes. I have such busy days, busy days. I always leave a, a, a portion of time to talk to somebody. Maybe they're cutting my hair. Maybe they're fixing my car. Maybe I'm going to stop and shop, you know. Because I know, I know this is true. And if I can help it, I want to talk to people. I want to make connections. I want to love people. I want to pray for them. Um, some awesome person in this church just put me up, put me together with somebody who was, they're 
spouse was a victim of a violent crime and, and they passed. You know, I, I want to help this person. I want to minister, you know. But th- there's, Jesus said that the harvest is ripe, but the servants are few. And folks, it's 2018, it's the same way. Can we spare some of our time to talk to people? Some of you have great gifts of evangelism. Some of, of you know how to make connections. And many of you have brought people to church and some of them have come up to receive Christ. And that's the goal. The goal is for as much of the world to be saved before the clock starts or this clock runs out and, and the, the thing is flipped over. So I just want to encourage believers that, that we pray when we leave here and ask the Lord, what is it that I can do in my sphere of influence? What, how can I, I sacrifice some of my time and some of my resources to meet somebody? to tell them about the love of God and to bring them into a knowledge of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.